This is the Partnership Podcast, where we bring you all things business from the Vail Valley, including business news, current issues, advocacy alerts, community conversations, and more. Presented by Vail Valley Partnership. Welcome to the Partnership Podcast. My name is Eric Williams. I'm Director of Community Development here at Vail Valley Partnership, and happy to have this way that we can share information with you and the entire community and all of those uh, listening wherever you may be. Welcome to the Partnership Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about getting your message out there. We're going to talk about storytelling and all that incredible stuff. And we're joined by Holly Johnson. She's the president of Imagica. It's a marketing and PR firm. They serve large businesses. They serve small businesses. A, a lot of experience in both of those. Uh, they work with nonprofits. And they're also very uh, close in working with the healthcare industry, special events industry, the real estate industry. It honestly sounds like someone we really need to talk to in this community. And I have so many questions for her, but I'd like to welcome her to the podcast, Ms. Holly Johnson. Welcome. How's life today? Life is good. I'm really happy to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you, and it's a pleasure to have your experience uh, coming into the Valley. Can you tell me about uh, your experience here in the Valley so far? Like, how have you, how has Imagica made its way into this Valley? Well, um, I actually have lived in, worked in Colorado for 30 plus years, um, and then shared my time or divided my time between here and Sarasota, Florida. Um, I was lucky to start the home office thing about 18 years ago. So when COVID kicked in, that wasn't something unusual for me. Um, I've been a second homeowner in the Vail Valley for 30 years and spent anywhere between a quarter and a half of the year here, um, particularly in the summers when Florida looks pretty, but is not pretty outside. <laughs> and uh, due to personal um, professional and also COVID reasons, I ended up spending more time in Vail once they allowed second homeowners back in. And over the summer, just kind of thinking about, you know, if I got stuck or needed to land in one place, where would that be? And I decided that it wanted, I wanted to be in the Vail Valley. Well, we're glad that you're stuck with us. I think it's a, a benefit to us as well. And you do mention uh, Florida, and it seems like a, a lot of the work being done around the country from Magica, but you have Florida and you have Vail. Why do those two mesh so well? Is it just the seasonality or is it or the same people have the same ideas? Well, you know, they're, they're both, you know, kind of quasi or, you know, resort communities with lots of um, urban, um, well, Vail, not so much the urban vibe, but cultural, which draws a pretty sophisticated clientele, better food, um, more recreation options, and just, you know, kind of a commitment to a lifestyle kind of living versus just, getting up and existing every day. And it's one of the things I like about both places. Although I have to admit that Colorado, really the people who live here and especially in the Vail Valley are, you know, age defiant. A lot of people in Florida go there to retire and most of them find excuses for not doing things. We're in the Vail Valley. We find excuses to do things. I like that. That's a that's an apt description, but also talking about the, the idea of resort based communities and so forth. And we appreciate very much appreciate your experience within that because it does transfer uh, so much around the country we're seeing. Uh, so let's dive, dive into it right now. Like you said, you've had this home office for a little bit. And one of the things that your uh, firm is specializing in post uh, COVID right now is kind of that COVID recovery and so forth. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing in the PR world, in the marketing world, in your world right now? with COVID? Uh, I know it's a super general question and very broad right now, but some of the major challenges that you're finding. 
Um, I think being nimble and being able to adapt to a rapidly changing environment amidst uncertainty. And that creates, you know, there's two schools. There's those of faith and those of fear. And those of faith find ways to make things happen and still deliver. And those of fear get stuck into the way things were, wishing, praying, hoping for a bailout or something to return us back to whatever normal was. So, you know, as I said to myself at the beginning of the year, um, Holly, you better get comfortable with uncomfortable because you have no idea what's gonna be thrown at you this year. And little did I know, this was before COVID, but I don't know, I had this sense, my, you know, I had some family, my mother had a stroke on January 1 and on January 3rd, I was on an 11 hour plane trip across the country. And I just said, you just gotta start letting go. And I think that's the biggest challenge that people face is being able to let go of what was and start dealing with what is even amidst uncertainty. I think that's very wise and something that uh, from our experience here at the Vail Valley Partnership, we're finding as well, the businesses that have been able to lean into this, the businesses that have been able to, you use the word pivot, and I very much like that word, uh, pivot and uh, change their strategies a little bit, are the ones that are having success and the ones that are waiting for things to resort back to normal are the ones that are going to be shutting their doors uh, as we move forward. So give me a concrete example as well. I mean, a strategy in marketing maybe that uh, people have been using that you might see changing or maybe some of the new strategies that you're seeing in this post-COVID, it's not post-COVID, but post-arrival of COVID world. Uh, what are some strategies you're seeing that, are, that people are responding to? Well, a lot of what I'm dealing with with clients right now, um, and I see just being you know, a customer and uh, in the marketplace is how do you stay high touch in a high tech world? So I think we've all faced the reality that we are now in a digital world. And how do you merge that? You know, when you're predominantly you know, a retailer who may have had 80% of their business come through in the storefront and 20% online, you're almost seeing a complete shift off that, maybe not quite that high. But um, amidst that is, you know, I'm kind of over, and I think a lot of people are, of using COVID as an excuse for poor customer service. And I realize, you know, when you're on limited money, having inventory, you know, for instance, shoe stores or, you know, in particular, because I'm a runner, and finding better options and more convenient options online and you want to support the local businesses but when they don't have the inventory or it takes them two weeks to get a shoe in you have to be able to say how can we compete in this world and what do we need to do in order to stay nimble it's not an easy question but that's where you have to start stepping back and going i have to rethink about where our revenue comes, how we're going to get it, and what do we need to do and the resources we need in order to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, many businesses we know are struggling in this short term with uh, shutdowns and things like that uh, and have had to uh, change their marketing strategies around that, which you're talking about right now. How do you stay high touch uh, in a market like that? But uh, thinking about the long term and businesses that you know, just one of our, it seems like so many of our businesses are seasonally focused right now. Like if we can get through this winter, but I know that you and your firm work, uh, work very closely with businesses on long-term strategies as well. How do you uh, come about addressing that with a business? Businesses that are wondering, are we going to keep the doors open this winter? And you're saying, well, we're going to do that, but then we need to look to the future. What are some of your strategies to kind of help businesses move forward? Well, the number, the number one most important thing that I think a lot of businesses don't really think about when they're looking at their strategies is, what does the customer want? 
How can we reach that customer? And yes, you need to, so focus on who your customer is and then how to communicate with them. And a lot of people don't realize or understand that they're amidst this world of social media and email and YouTube and all that. They are all very different people who follow those. So kind of defining who your customer is and then making sure that you're hitting those touch points as long as they make sense for your business. Um, for instance, I, I work with a massage physical therapist, um, bit small business owner in Sarasota who um, can do Zoom conferencing because his stretch and release program is really teaching people how to stretch in a way that helps heal their bodies. So he can do that by watching them. It's very, very YouTube um, friendly. Um, but as a, as a retailer or, or a restaurant, um, you know, saying, okay, we need to have a presence on Facebook. We need to have a presence on Instagram. We need to have a presence through email in our database. And then we need to have an on-store presence and cross market across all those platforms. Now, and then a lot of, what a lot of people do is they think they have to be on every social media platform. It's like, you only need to be on Twitter if you're catering to the celebrity crowd and they're al allowing you to use their name, which probably isn't gonna happen. So taking a realistic look at who the end user is and how you can leverage those to your best ability to make sure that you're speaking and communicating with your customer in a meaningful way. I know that one of the things that you do in your business is that you ask the customers to define their number one, uh, like the thing that they're best at and one of the things what their number one challenge is. is uh, are they good at doing that? Are people good at uh, defining their number one challenge? Or do you find often when you go in and kind of assess a business that uh, it wasn't really what they were thinking? It's, it's all these other pieces that have come into play. There's a lot of buts going on. <laughs> This, but, this, but, this, but, and it's like, you just go, what's your number one goal? Well, you know, um, you know, and then there's business partners and they're going, well, you know, I, I really want to, you know, we, we really need to define our business. It's not, um, it's too, it's too global. It's not specific enough. We need to generate revenue, which is obviously, well, then how much revenue do you need to generate? What's going to keep you alive? And then, so, so let's just say, you know, it's in an easy sense, the number one goal is I need to make $200,000 by the end of the year. That is a very, very specific goal. And it's very measurable. And you go, okay, we've got three months or two months to make it there. That means we need to make $100,000 a month. How do we do that? What are your daily revenues? What do we need to grow those? And not just look at the big numbers, but look at the little numbers. So if we, let's say you're a restaurant and you're doing $1,000 at lunch and $3,000 at dinner, can we nudge that 10%, 15%? And if we run those numbers, how close are we to our 200,000? assuming, you know, all things are equal, you know, for that. And is that reasonable? A lot of people either set goals that are too near, too small, or they set them too big. And I was one um, uh, uh, online business course that I said is that most people underestimate what they can do in three years, but they overestimate what they can do in a year. So the important thing, and particularly amidst COVID is saying, as the world stands today, assuming that there will be no bailout, no funding, no nothing, looking at your business, what is reasonable to expect? And is that enough to sustain you? 
And then, so you take the goal and then you start pulling the little pieces apart to say, what does that look like from a staffing standpoint? What does that look like from a food cost standpoint? What does that look like from an inventory standpoint? What resources do we have? And then you go, and how, so what's the number? And then the next question is, what's the number one challenge? Well, we need more customers. So how can we get more customers? Can we adapt by doing delivery? Can we adapt by doing, um, you know, online e-commerce kind of things? And then, okay, we can do this. And then communicating that out to the customer and making sure, again, that you're hitting all the touch points. And I realize as a small business, or even a larger business, you're going, wow, that sounds like it costs a lot of money. Well, then you just go, what are our internal resources? What are our external resources? And how do we make this all come together in a meaningful way? It sounds overwhelming and daunting, but when you focus on the number one goal and then pick the little pieces apart down to small manageable sizes, it's a lot easier to look at things, growing things at five or 10% instead of going, I just need to make $200,000 by the end of the year. Instead of, we need to do $1,100 at lunch instead of a thousand. How can we do that? I love the way you're talking about that too. Talking about setting that goal out there, which companies can do. But then the reverse engineering piece that you're talking about of actually getting to that goal and the steps that need to be there, because I can imagine that that's the problem. People know where they want to be, but it's just the steps to get there. So thank you for talking out some of those steps and how you start that, because that's one of the things that I imagine is probably the most intimidating to people. You know, you talk about the amount of time that it takes to be on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all those different pieces, but you're saying that... Uh, <laughs> sometimes you need someone to kind of guide you through a couple of those pieces and that's a service that you can provide. Yeah. And that's really where, you know, if you're going to make an investment and make an investment in somebody who's going to hold you accountable and help guide you through the process, not, and you know, as I say, I don't necessarily need or want to do all the work. I'm just here to help make sure that the touch points are being covered and who are doing those. And then you know, I get paid to make sure that those things happen. So, you know, restaurant owners, store owners, um, you know, real estate companies and brokers are all really busy. But when you can stay on them, and that's what I'm compensated to do, um, then people, you know, will respond. And, and you go where you have willing, you know, partners, and you have an agreement on what the expectations are, and then everybody goes out and and adheres to that. I love it. It's the process that uh, I'm trying to like train this process to like parenting in my head. I need to do this and then reverse engineer with my kids. It's just I want to do, do parenting uh, as well. You can come over and like assess my family lifestyle. <laughs> well, Get down to the upstream of the problem. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it actually, the principles apply to everything in life. You know, um, I'm, I'm a running coach and I also, I deal with that with my clients. I say, what's the number one goal? And one of the examples I used actually in a book that I just finished writing on how to make feeling good your priority is, um, you know, I want to lose weight. And so then all of a sudden they become tied to the scale and it affects how they feel about themselves. Good if they lost weight, bad if they don't. And I go, well, um, what is, you know, so if you want to lose weight, um, what's your number one challenge? And it's like kind of getting rid of, you know, the bad food and this, and then, but we're still focusing on a lot of negative and external things. And I said, well, what does losing weight feel like to you? And they go, it feels really good. And I said, well, what feels really good? Feeling really healthy, feeling fit, 
um, feeling like I'm in control. I'm like, okay, so let's focus on that is the number one goal so that it's not just tied to the scale, but it's tied to a feeling that you have. Like if business is focused on how do I want my staff to feel when they show up at work? How do I want my customers to feel when they interact with us? I don't think anybody's going to go. I want them to be pissed off and angry and resentful and don't feel like they get good service. But yet, that's the majority of a lot of businesses. So if they focused on, wow, how can we make our customers feel better about us? How can we make help make our staff enjoy their jobs more? What can we do to create an environment that feels good instead of feels bad? There we go. Gosh, I'm writing all these down as you're talking. This is uh, fantastic. Yeah. And we yeah. appreciate your expertise. I want to, um, if you wouldn't mind, one more question before we do send you on your way and send all these podcast listeners on their way. But, uh, and this one was more general as well, but you've had so much experience right now with the clients, you know, with those people out there that are looking to get their message out. And I just wanted to know in a post COVID world in a post, <laughs> in a world where COVID has shown up in our, in our world that we're in now as the customer change. You know, are, are people looking for something different from their PR and marketing? Are they looking for something maybe more specific or immediate? Or are we seeing the customers kind of stay the same? What have you seen from like the customer as a whole? Um, I don't know if it's a conscious thing on the customer's part, but definitely people who feel like they're being paid attention to and that they're cared about. I think everybody feels like they've kind of been thrown into the river to see if they can swim upstream with this and this uncertainty. And I mean, just think about it as a person and a human being, as a parent, as a spouse, as a child. Um, We want to feel good. And those companies and businesses that make us feel good are going to get our business. If you continue to use COVID as an excuse for poor customer service or not meeting your customers' you know, interests or demands or whatever, then you are probably going to find yourself struggling. But I've seen it in businesses who really meet and make people feel welcomed and comfortable and appreciated um, for their business um, in a genuine way. I mean, you can't force that. Then you will have the chance of surviving. And again, it's focusing on how does a customer feel when they interact with you? And if you're an essential thing like a grocery store, yes, but you know what, even the people who are checking out your groceries, the ones that you feel the best about are the ones who deal with you and appreciate your business and help you in some kind of meaningful way. Treat you like a person. Uh, yeah. Rather than just, yeah, someone who's thrown into the stream. I, I like that metaphor that you or, shared. In, or instead of a bottom line number, we need to grow our sales this much. It's like, how about we set the goal of having our customers feel really good and see, and if we do that, how that affects our bottom line. <laughs> well, I, I, how about we do that? I'm, I'm in with you. I think <laughs> other businesses are as well. And Holly, I, I mean, I really do appreciate the way that you think about it. It is a it is a person in business first, you know, you're looking at the person in the, in the business and the people behind it, which, uh, you know, I think does get lost. And especially in this time when we're also digital. So thank you for, I mean, all of these questions. And for those of you in podcast world, you got to know that I may have prompted her on like two of those, but the rest of them, she just answered right off the cuff. So, you know, that just tells me that I, I just love that. That's just someone who knows and loves their business. And, uh, it's, it's apparent with what you're doing. So, uh, with that note, if people do want to have like a further conversation with you, and I can't imagine they wouldn't, uh, how do they get a touch, in touch with you? 
Um, my email address is holly at imagica, um, which is I-M-A-G-I-C-A dot U-S. So imagica dot U-S. Um, and magica, for those who are wondering where that name comes, it's a spin on imagine. So imagine a great world, imagine a great customer, imagine a happy customer, imagine re reading your bottom line. Um, and uh, so, um, and then my phone number is 941-350-9615. And I respond to texts and phone calls and email. There we go. And look, my phone and your phone has rung during this time. So people really want this information. They're calling already for this. Uh, call Holly. Definitely visit the Magica for everything that's going on there. <laughs> Sorry about that. That should have been on. My bad. It's beautiful Zoom world that we have now. But Holly, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and we appreciate uh, your expertise in this. And can't wait to see like the places we go. Thank you. Great. My pleasure. Really enjoyed this. Be sure to subscribe to the Partnership Podcast on whatever platform you're listening right now. And find more resources at valevalleypartnership.com.